if you will. Uh, very popular verse. We've all seen it. We've all known it. John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse 16. Amen. Today we're going to talk about changing the way we change. Amen. Changing the way we change. Uh, you know, this is that time of year where we look back on everything that happened in the year, and then we begin to look at everything that's coming up in the next year. And here, probably in the next few days, if you haven't already sat down and started to do it, you are probably beginning to think of a list of New Year's resolutions. Amen? New Year's resolutions. This time of year, January uh, seems to be the busiest month for churches and for gyms. <laughs> we all are signing up new gym memberships and uh, you know, we always begin change with a great intention, uh, with a great motive, but what keeps us driving through? What keeps us December 31st of the next year still achieving those same goals, still going after that? And um, so I want to talk about changing the way that we change because change um, is difficult. There's just no way to put it. You can't sugarcoat it. You there's no way to, to glaze it over and, and make it seem simple, which is just not. We are not a people that like change, okay? We become very routine. We become uh, 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 very uh, monotone, if you will, in, in how we can live our lives. And we can easily do something the same way over and over and never even realize we're doing it the same way. But there's a change that's necessary. In fact, if we look at our first verse here, John chapter 3, verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. See, perishing was the only result that mankind had to look forward to until Jesus came. A separation from God was the only way man could live until Jesus showed up in the planet. And Jesus came to do one thing, to bring change. Jesus came to bring change. That's why when he started ministering, right out the gate, Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, he says what? Repent for the kingdom of God. I'm bringing something to this planet. I'm bringing something to your life, and you're going to have to change if you're going to get it. Period. There's changes uh, changes involved. God is a God of change. God is a God of change. What does that mean? Doing something differently than the way you've been doing it. Amen? And so Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Well, what does that word repent mean? See, we've always thought repentance means come down to the altar, say a prayer, accept Jesus as your Lord, and turn away and go back to your seat. And we have repented. But that's just a small picture of what repentance is. Because repentance is actually not an event. See, I can write down in the front of my Bible the day I got saved, the day I got born again, the day I got filled with the Spirit, the day that I got baptized. Those things, I can write them down. That's an event. I know the place. I know the time. I know the location. I know who I was with. But repentance is more of a process. So that tells me that I'm actually always changing. He's saying repent 
for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent means to change your thinking. To change your thinking. If you're going to change anything in life, you have to first change your thinking. Change your mind. The first step to changing the way that you change, I'm going to give you three steps today. Pretty simple. The first step is change your mind. Change your mind. You have to change the way you think about something before you change how you live about something. You have to change the way you think about your finances before you change your financial situation. You've got to change the way you think about your marriage before you change your marriage. There is no change that comes in life without first changing your thinking. There's no change that comes in life without first changing how I perceive it in my mind. You will not live out anything different in your life that you don't think differently about first. So we've got to change the way that we change. And many times, we want to change what's around us. When we think about change, you know, back in 2008, we had a new president with a campaign. And he promised change. He promised change. And Americans, you know, we, we love change. We love change when it's somebody else changing it. We love change. Oh, you're going to change that? Oh, you're going to do that different? Awesome. That's great. Oh, you're going to take care of it. Awesome. But see, the problem is, is one man can't change it. One man can't pull an entire nation out of recession. It's going to take an entire nation owning and taking a responsibility and saying, I'm going to change. And one by one, as we all change, the nation changes. Because you can't forget that you are the nation. You are the people. We are the people of the United States of America. And so when he's preaching change, you know, and people are coming out with bumper stickers that say, keep the change, because nobody wants change. I want the dollar bills, man. No, nobody likes change. Change isn't easy. Change jingles around in your pockets. It makes a bunch of noise. It weighs you down. Just give me a $100 bill, man. That takes care of all of it. It's really weird when I was in Nicaragua, you know, their money system's completely different. And it was really weird to pay for something with a dollar and get bills back. And I felt rich. I was like, dude, you're giving me way too much. But those things were like worth, worth, uh, worth less than a quarter. I mean, those actual bills that they give you, the way the, the money is over there. But you feel better. You didn't just give me coins. That's awesome. I'm richer. I'm not going to tell you, you just gave me the wrong change. But that's just the way it is. We don't like change. Keep the change. But change is inevitable. Change has to happen. You realize that change doesn't always ask for your permission? A change in your financial situation, a change in your job, a change in your family. It doesn't always, hey, is this okay if I, if I change this real quick? Is, is it all right if I, it doesn't come and ask you. You know, maybe if we had a warning before change took place, we might be able to accept it a little bit better. But it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And so the things around us change, but we don't want to change. And that's what we have to take care of. But the thing we have to understand is if we don't change what's inside of us, we'll never change what's around us. 
the first thing that we have the responsibility of changing is our mind. Changing our mind. Now, here's the problem. Sometimes, as a people, as human beings, we can get in a routine of change. It's called a cycle. And in the book of Judges, there was a people, God's people, God's nation, that was in a cycle of changing. They were always changing. See, the change that God brings, he never intends for you to go back to. God isn't looking at a circle. He's looking at a straight line that goes away from what you were doing. Look at 2 Chronicles 7.14. It's another popular verse. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. This is what we pray, you know, when we're praying for our nation. When we're praying for our government. This is a verse that always seems to pop up. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and here it is, and turn from their wicked ways. See, God is a God of change. If you're going to live for God, if you're going to do anything in God's kingdom, it's going to require a turn. It's going to require a change. In fact, you know, some of us have heard the word repent or repentance. We've heard it defined as a 180, turning away, going the opposite direction of the way that you were headed. So if I was going this way and I repent, I turn this way. But the change that God brings He never intends for us to end up back over here again. But if we're not careful, we'll make a cycle of change. We'll make a routine of change. We'll make changing a lifestyle, but we're just going in a circle. And he says, if they will turn from their wicked ways, and I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. We'll go over to Judges chapter 2 and find out how they responded. Judges chapter 2. We'll look at verse 11. This is after the people of Israel have been delivered out of Egypt by Moses, have been brought into the promised land by Joshua, and now we're in the promised land. We're on a conquest to take over the land that God has promised us Years before. But there was a change that was necessary. The most difficult part to swallow about the Egyptians in the wilderness wasn't the fact that they didn't have enough resource. It was that they didn't change themselves. See, a change of location does not always assure a change in your life. There's some people that think, if I just get up and move, I'm going to be different. I'm just going to change jobs. And you know, that's a, a, a bad habit that we have in America. We, when, when things break, we don't try to fix it. We leave it. I don't like being a dad anymore, so I'm going to leave. I don't want to be a husband anymore, so I'm out of here. I'm tired of being a mother to these kids, so... And we think that changes things. We think a change in location or a change, 
and what's around us changes what's in us, but that never happens. That's not the way that God designed it. God designed change to work from the inside out, not the outside in, period. And so when we take responsibility for changing ourselves, but we've got a people that have been taken out of Egypt, but they left the, the Egypt mind in their brain, in their head. They thought like they were still in Egypt. That's why most of them died in the wilderness. Now we are coming to the promised land. You may remember in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, God gave Joshua the key to success. You want to be successful? You want to be prosperous in all that you do? Meditate on my word day and night. What's he saying? Change your thinking. Change your mind. Change your thinking. Renew your mind, Romans chapter 12. Otherwise, you'll conform to what's around you. Well, look here in verse 11. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals, and they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. The God that had brought them out, the God that had delivered them, they've left. They followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them. They didn't renew their minds, so they conformed in their lifestyle to what was around them. And they bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. They forsook the Lord and serve Baal and the Asherahs. Now, if you go down to verse 16, look down to verse 16. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Yet they would not listen to their judges, but they played the harlot with other gods and bowed down to them. They turned quickly from the way in which their fathers walked in obeying the commandments of the Lord. They did not do so. And when the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies. This is where Samson and Gideon and Delilah, this is, or not Delilah, Deborah, this is where they all show up. People that God has anointed, placed his spirit upon to lead a nation out of the mess that they're in. You know, you would think when you get out of the mess, we'd do something different. And these are the stories that you read, and you're thinking, man, these guys are a bunch of complete idiots. You read about them in the wilderness. You read about them in the book of Judges, yet this is what we do on a daily basis. This is why we have to change the way that we change. The Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who oppressed them and harassed them. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they reverted and behaved more corruptly than their fathers by following other gods to serve them and bow down to them. They did not cease from their own doings, nor from their stubborn way. The second way we change, the way that we change, is you have to change your action. We change our mind by changing our mind that will lead to a change in action. Changing the way we think should lead to a way, to a, a, a new way of living. Changing the way that we live. Changing the way that we do things. You know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing, but expecting a different result. 
Is anybody in this room expecting a different result in 2014? Just by show of hands. I am. I'm expecting a different result. That means I'm going to have to change the way I think about something so I can change the way that I do something. Amen? If I don't renew my mind, I will conform. Conform to what? What everybody else does. If I don't renew my mind to what the Word says about healing in my body, I will conform to what everybody else does to get healing. If I don't conform or if I don't renew my mind to what the Bible says about my finances, I will conform to the ways world of take the world's way of taking care of my finances. Bottom line is Jesus came to bring change. And I want that change. So I've got to change my action. You know, that's our responsibility. We've got songs and, you know, we, we, we think that there's verses in the Bible that says that God can change us, but he can't. That is our responsibility. That's us. We are free will moral agents. I mean, if, if God was going to do it, he would have kept Adam and Eve from eating the fruit in the first place. Just go ahead and let you know. <laughs> he would have kept us out of the whole mess in the first place. But no, I need change. I need change daily. I need change in every area of my life. And I'm thankful that I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me. I've been anointed by God himself and empowered with his grace not to mess up and ask for forgiveness, but to get it right the next time. Amen? So a change in my thinking leads to a change in my action. The third way that we change is changing our reaction. For every action, there is a corresponding reaction. For every action, there's a corresponding reaction. So now I have changed my mind. I've changed, I've put myself on a course of changing what I do. But now what am I going to do when, that th when I'm faced with that thing again and I want to react the way I used to react? See, there's a term in the Bible that we have confused with another word. It's a term in the Bible that we've confused, and that is conviction. See, the Holy Spirit's job is to convict us when we're heading down the wrong path. But how you respond to the conviction determines every action after that. You see, we've confused it with condemnation. Well, they're just making me feel condemned. No, conviction. Because let me tell you, there is no change without conviction. There is no change without conviction. If you're not convicted of how you're doing something right now, you will never change what you're doing. But we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Not only that, the Holy Spirit will place people in our lives to identify areas. I thank God that I have people in my life that can identify, bring a conviction. Hey, this needs to change. You got to do this differently. So now I've changed my mind. Now I've changed my action. But now I've got to change my reaction. When it's identified that I need to change something, 
How will I respond to that? How will I react to that? Because without that conviction, there's no change. We'll continue down a path. We'll continue in a lifestyle. We'll continue. And and, and that's not the kingdom. That's not the kingdom. You know, in John chapter 3, verse 17, I believe it is, says that Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world. Condemn means to actually place a sentence upon your life. See, if I, can, if I condemn you, I say, you did that, and now you're going to go to hell. Now Jesus doesn't love you. Now God doesn't love you. That's condemning. That's what Satan does. That's what Satan does. Satan is the one that condemns. The Holy Spirit is the one that convicts. Condemning is to identify a problem to bring you down. Convicting is to identify a problem to bring you up. When I condemn you, it's to bring you down. It's to make you feel low. But when I bring conviction, it's because I know that you can come out of that. I know you can do something different. And the Holy Spirit has your best interests at heart every time. Anytime he identifies something, anytime he reveals something. Look, in 2014, I want things revealed. If it's not lined up, if it's not set up, if it's going to hinder what God has for my life this next year, I want it revealed because I know there's more. I know I can do better. I know I can do more for the kingdom of God. Amen. So I'm excited about the Holy Spirit's conviction showing up in my life. And by the way, Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says that there is therefore. Now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you are in Christ, if you have given your life to him, there is no condemnation. There is no sentence that the devil can bring because God has already lined it out. You're in my kingdom. You're my son. You're my daughter. You are a king. You are here to rule. You are here to have dominion. He's already laid that out. And so the Holy Spirit identifies, hey, this will keep you from ruling. This will keep you from having dominion. This will keep you from being able to operate in the kingdom. The change is never easy. Change is never easy. But I'm glad that I serve a God of change. I'm glad I serve a God that looks at what I, you know what's so exciting about God? Is he always looks at you based upon your future. He always looks at you based, that's why he could look at Abraham, who was barren, who had a wife that was barren, who was way beyond the years of having children. He could look at that man and say, you're a father of many nations. That's why he can look at Gideon, who was hiding, who was the lowest of his family, and his family was the lowest of the tribe, and his tribe was the lowest of the nation. And he can look at that man and say, you're a mighty man of valor. That's why he can look at David, a shepherd boy, out in the middle of a field, after going down all of his brothers, who on the outside were qualified to be the next king 
of Israel and say, no, this is the man because God doesn't look on the outside. He looks at the heart. God looks at your future. God looks at your potential. God looks at what you can do, not what you have done or not what you are doing. See, people around you, they can only look at you based upon your past or your present. Everybody in this room has probably at some point in life had somebody look at you and say, no, you can't do it. No, you don't have enough training. No, you're not rich enough. No, you don't come from the right family. No, you didn't get enough schooling. No, you don't have enough experience. Why? All they can look at is what you have done or what you are doing. God is the only one that can look at you based upon your future. And every now and then, he'll send someone along your path that will be able to look at you based upon your potential. Hey, on the outside, it doesn't look like it fits, but I know you're the man. I know you're the one for the part. I know you can do it. I know you're going to be a good fit here. Amen. Because God looks at you based upon what's coming up. God is looking at you based upon what you're going to accomplish in 2014, not what you didn't accomplish in 2013. We're the ones that have the problem burying it. We're the ones that have the, the, the hard time putting it behind us. But God's saying, let's get up and drive. Let's change the way we think about that. Let's change the way we approach that. Let's change the way we respond and react. And watch what I'll do in your life. Watch what I'll have in store for you. Amen? I want to change the way that I change. You know, this time of year, people do the same thing every year. Every year. You know, if we're waiting till January 1st to make a change, then maybe we've got to ask ourselves, do we really want to change? I remember a while back, years ago, a co-worker of mine, I think we had to to work on the 30th and then we were off on the 31st but she was a smoker and she said man I'm going to quit this next year I'm quitting but I think she probably went through a couple packs that day what are you doing I'm just just trying to get it all out man just trying to get it just get it all in because you know I'm not going to do this ever again you don't want it you don't want it bad enough you don't want it bad enough. You don't want change bad enough. If you, if you wanted to die, you would do it today. If you wanted to, to lose weight and get healthier, you'd do it today. If you wanted to stop drinking and stop smoking, you'd do it today. You'd do it. You've got to want the change. And then we've got to change the way that we change. Amen? I know that God's got some amazing things in store for this church and for your lives and for your families, but we've got to change the... I don't want February 1st to roll around and we're right back where we were. We've got to make a habit. We've got to make a routine. We've got to make a daily lifestyle of being in repentance, a daily lifestyle of changing, a daily lifestyle of looking inside and saying, God, what is it today? What can I do different? 
What can I change? What can I look at differently? What can I think about differently? What needs to change so I can do everything you've called me to do in your kingdom? Amen? Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this great year that you've brought us through, Father. But, Father, we're in awe and we're in expectation of what 2014 holds for us. As a church family, as individuals, in our businesses, in our finances, Father, in our our families, our marriages, whatever it is, Father, I thank you that you have called us to change. You've called us to an exciting time. But Father, whatever needs to be different, whatever needs to change, whatever we need to approach differently, Father, I thank you that you'll begin to identify those areas in our lives. Identify, reveal to us by your Holy Spirit. Convict us so that we can change. Father, I thank you for every family here, every person here. I thank you that you begin to reveal to them the great potential, the great future that you hold in store for them. The promises in your word, you haven't passed on them. They weren't just good for 2013. It wasn't something that expired on 1231-13. Those promises are still sure. Your promises are faithful. And you are faithful to fulfill those promises in our lives, Father. Whatever we came up short with this past year, Father, We push it aside, we put it down, and we drive on. We move on, move forward to greatness this next year. I thank you for all that you're going to do. We thank you for all that you have done because of your faithfulness, because of your grace, because of your love. We are where we're at today. But I thank you that the best is yet to come. I thank you that there is more in store. We hold you to your word. We renew our minds to your word. We love your word and value your word. We thank you for all that you're going to do in this next year. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.